Good morning, everybody. I'm Eureka John. You're at Eureka Street Crypto, broadcasting on Tuesday, uh, May 17th, 2022. It is 5.42 in the morning. And uh, yeah, I'm back home. I've just been in New Orleans for the past several days. Um, Going to see my daughter graduate. So uh, I can't believe that I have a college-age graduate kid. That's that's insane. I, I don't know, man. So weird, but uh, life moves on, right? <clears throat> okay. Um, so yeah, this is my morning crypto blog, um, you know, video blog, brain dump, whatever you want to call it. And this is my time in the morning to talk about crypto before I bug everybody else during the rest of the day about it. Before I go moonlight at my job, listening to Dow meetings on one <laughs> on one computer and doing my work on another computer. That's how it's been for the longest time now, and uh, I'm actually right at that point where I'm about to go full Dow. So uh, yeah, we'll see how this goes. Um, I have the letter written and everything. So all right, wish me luck. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, today I wanted to, um, I'm not going to go through the prices or anything like that. The, the market's absolutely terrible and that it is what it is. Um, I literally am in it for the tech. So um, yeah, I mean, the market is what it is. The price is what it is. I didn't get into all this for speculation. A lot of people ask me how the crypto market is going, you know, and I, I, I really don't. No, I mean, yeah, I know I look at the prices, but uh, it's not my my priority. My priority is to learn about this technology, to learn about the next steps of what's happening, um, to learn how we can implement this type of technology into our daily lives to allow us um, freedom, expression uh, without censorship and, you know, to allow us financial freedom and autonomy. Um, so, yeah, that's why I'm into all this stuff. And uh not necessarily just to speculate on a doggy coin. So, yeah, if you came here for some price action and analysis, well, you're probably in the wrong place. Um, anyway, so I made a lot of friends in the crypto space. And, and two years ago, I knew nobody in the crypto space. And I made this show, I've flipped on the YouTube switch and stuff like that. And I've worked with other, I've tried out other different decentralized platforms. And um, yeah, they all have their own um, benefits and their own quirks. And, you know, I put these videos up on Odyssey as well. Um, but uh, I've put, I've put this message out in a bottle and I've, received great feedback on the videos and I've re, re, I received some some nice criticism as well and um I've yeah it's been it's been an interesting ride I've had guests on this show I'm on episode 457 now so uh, I wouldn't trade all this for anything it's been the time of my life broadcasting about crypto and you know kind of switching on the tube daily and uh, talking about what's going on in the market um so this is kind of an example of in a way, you know, some local journalism, although I wouldn't call what I do exactly journalism, but um, it is 
you know, me reporting on some current events and talking about what's going on in the crypto space. And uh, media as we know it today is in the throes of central control. Um, if you've ever seen those Project Mockingbird videos where you have you know the, the one screen of the morning news and then it you know, switches to two people saying the exact same thing, then it switches to four people saying the exact same thing, and then it switches to eight people saying the exact same thing, and then it just, the, the screen grows and grows and grows to where all across the nation you see nothing but news anchors saying and repeating the exact same thing. Thing, this homogenous, centralized media news culture that is given to us from top down. And we all, well, we don't all know, but if you don't know, those five media outlets are all owned by the same entities and the same families and the same companies and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, as you may know, may or may not know, you know, Pfizer is a major sponsor for a lot of, a lot of the news journalism that we have out today. And we know that they want to make money, you know? So, uh, but anyway, so I've been, um, poking around and meeting some people and I've met some people in the journo Dow and, um, if you go to journodow.xyz, you'll see what they are about. Um, and they're all about basically bringing back local journalism to the media and uh, decentralizing the media as we know it today and uh, bringing it back in to um, into local journalism cells. And uh, so... <clears throat> um, there's an article written by Keith Axline. He is one of the founders of the Dow. And uh, I think it's a great article, so I want to read it today. And I'm just going to go ahead and just just read it. You know, sometimes that's all you can really do. Not just, and I'll at times maybe interject some stuff. But he takes uh, a metaphor, or not even quite a metaphor, but a a blockchain centered look at current the current media model. And uh, so he takes a blockchain security model and he applies it on top of the state of our media today. And I think it's a really fascinating article. So I'm just going to go ahead and give it a read here. Let me go over to this screen. Okay. So here's his article. It is found at journodow.xyz. And, um, uh, yeah, the, the article is called local journalism is the blockchain security model for po politics and culture. So here we go. <clears throat> I take a bite of my, take a sip of my kombucha here. All right. At JournoDAO, we are often asked, what does journalism have to do with Web3 and crypto? Well, there's actually a deep alignment between the purpose of journalism and the purpose of decentralization in the blockchain consensus model. In blockchain terms, journalists are like network validators, especially journalists on the local regional level. Journalists verify statements and engage in culture sense-making for their communities so that a large number of people can reach consensus about what has happened about what is true for the community regardless of what people outside the community believe, what the community values and who is helping the community achieve those values. It's not as clear cut or simple as that, but in aggregate, this is generally the case. So in a consensus mechanism, you have a bunch of validators. So a blockchain is basically a database and it's a database that, that is not located in one computer, but it is a bunch of different computers all over the world checking to make sure that every other computer has the same answer. And that's how you get a block on. And once they do, they verify the block. And that's how you get a block on the blockchain with that information that is completely verified by every other computer in the network. So um, 
With this framing in mind, we could say that the U.S. has undergone a 51% attack in the preceding decades. National media conglomerates bought up local papers, radio stations, billboards, etc., and homogenized our shared culture. The papers and news orgs that were bought went out of business in record numbers. Our validators were either purchased or shut down. And you can see this homogenization in every single suburb and every single city across the United States. You've seen that, you know, the Home Depot, the Lowe's, you know, the Best Buy, you know, the the, the McDonald's, the, it's just big box stores, Bed Bath and Beyond, in every single suburb that you see driving through, and even in in the in the trendy little areas, there's still a lot of homogenization of culture within all those as well. Um, it's just a different type of homogenization. Anyway, I digress. Back to the article. A 51% attack refers to an attack on a blockchain by a group of miners controlling more than 50% of network's mining hash rate or computing power. Attackers with majority control of the network can interrupt the recording of new blocks by preventing other miners from completing blocks. So that's the definition on in Investopedia. And a 51% attack, yes, it's when a, a, a group of miners or a miner controls more than 50% of the network, 51%, um, and as they are able to make the decisions. It's like having majority stockholders. <laughs> so these new economics devalued regional stories and news. When local news caught the attention of the conglomerates, it was often processed into trite media snacks for a national audience. A particular flavor of culture and news found its way everywhere, like in the U.S., in like a fast food chain's menu. News deserts emerged along with food deserts. So a new news desert is the place where you don't have the little pockets where you, where the media doesn't reach and there's no in or out in those news deserts. And uh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're kind of unique places in the United States. And, uh, and then food deserts as well. <clears throat> so the hack of the century in this next session in a blockchain, the advantage to a successful 51% attack is the ability to decide what is true. The entire network must now accept the attacker's version of reality in order to continue to participate. The primary reason to acquire this power is, of course, to make the attackers rich. In this sense, the corporate media model has successfully pulled off this attack on our sense-making infrastructure. Not as a single entity with agency, not intentionally or with malice, but as a group of similarly modeled businesses simply following the incentives of the economy. Now, he claims that this is not intentional or with malice. Um, some other people would debate this fact but or this point. Um, but, uh, you know, that we'll leave that to another day. But this is his stance on that. Um, over the past decades, these businesses have be became machines that were increasingly optimized to turn human attention into capital and power. Memes that used to bind us together became commoditized. Helping out the less fortunate became handing them a Coke. Commerce injected itself between all meaning, meaningful human reaction in order to take a percentage of whatever grabbed our attention. Our collective feeling of unity faded. The emergent security of our cultural and political network wasted away without local communities to support it. Why was this network security important? Why should we re return to it and make it even better? Here's the next section called Retail Influence. When a centralized attention marketplace can push messages to the edge of the network to people like you and me, there will always be buyers that push their message. Brands, political action communities, PACs, and other organizations can pay their way to have their messages presented to us in increasingly coercive ways. 
making ads look like search results, targeting our psychological weaknesses on Facebook, buying up media companies for themselves, etc. Corporations talk to us directly, bypassing any filtering by communities that help us evaluate claims based on our pre-existing goals and priorities. In some cases, the coercion even makes us feel good about supporting something that in reality has the opposite effect that we want. A community's potential objections and validations are not represented or seen by the rest of the network. Sometimes critiques are not even surfaced within the community itself. So these corporations are so powerful and this 51% attack type of situation is so powerful that it bypasses any community values and any any every community has different a lot of communities have different values and a lot of those values would go completely against whatever is being told to them and sold to them through the media and so now they've gone directly bypassing any of these filters i think that's a very powerful paragraph right there so Anyway, back to the article. It's easier and easier for external buyers to influence and control local issues. Earnest policies and ideas with broad appeal but no financial backing are easy to quash if they harm business objectives. Representatives in government must be malleable to business influence or be outspent by orders of magnitude in elections. So you got to pay to play in the politics. (laughs) So validation at the edges, the next section. In theory, this external influence could be mitigated by regional journalists, people who understand the priorities of the community and can sensibly map messaging to reality. They can be trusted by the community because they are rewarded when they protect the community's interests and not when they perpetuate external strategic messages. But our current reality is quite the opposite. Journalists are increasingly pressured to prioritize attention over utility, which opens the door to external influence. Oftentimes, we wait for the market to correct problems like this. If it's such a bad result, surely consumers will move on to better products. In this case, better information sources. The the nature of this particular product, however, directly erodes and distorts the information on which the consumer is making their decision. It also aggressively manipulates the other options available. When media optimizes for attention rather than truth, the only product differentiation that makes sense is to move away from nuance, complexity, and unity and move towards something more akin to conspiracy theories. Simple answers for the world's frustratingly chaotic and complex outcomes, the stuff they're not telling you, opinions and emotions are far more profitable and therefore widespread than useful information. The best examples of these market mechanics playing out are YouTube and Facebook, places where the rightful suspicion of homogenous media found a wolf in sheep's clothing. The amount and scope of the problems this created is impossible to overstate. As a nation, we have become incapable of coordinating on anything that doesn't lead to accelerating exponential corporate profits. Next section, decentralization leads to unity. So that's kind of paradoxical. Decentralization leads to unity. So we'll see here. We need to build back our validators. We need to support them economically for the true value they provide instead of allowing them to be bribed for pennies. It has to be a good financial decision to be a validator. The network must be redesigned to prioritize to, to prioritize security through decentralization. That's why JournoDAO has come to life in the age of Web3. We see the connections between the tech and the culture, the game theory and the role of journalism, the positive sum mechanics and properly incentivizing the true value creators. We are taking bold actions like crowdfunding the purchase of a local newspaper to give back control to the community it deserves. 
The attackers have overplayed their hand, and they've made the whole network so toxic that many of us are ready for a hard fork. And a hard fork in a blockchain is whenever you change the code to where it forks off and creates a new blockchain. So we're ready for a world and where we understand that we are all 95% the same and that we can civilly debate the remaining 5%. Our systems of coordination have pitted us against each other and they need to be dismantled while we build unifying ones in parallel. And that's what a fork does. You create a new blockchain with, with uh, off the old blockchain with new code. And then the new fork, the hard fork, runs in parallel with the old blockchain. It's like Ethereum and Ethereum Classic. Ethereum forked off and created Ethereum as we know it today. And Ethereum Classic is still going alongside it, just with different code. So Web3 is about all of us working together to achieve our common goals. If we don't have decentralized sense making, then we will always be receiving information from a relatively centralized cartel that has its own self-interested agenda. This centralized cartel will always be incentivized to tell us to fight amongst ourselves so that the real threat is never identified, so that we can never unify against it, so that we can't even see that the attack has happened. Ironically, we must decentralize in order to unite. This is because our union can only be an emergent property of a healthy system, not a centrally coordinated or orchestrated effort. When we reinstate and bolster our validators, we will have such a system, and we can all get back to building towards the ideals that this country was founded on. Let's bring back journalism. Come be a part of the solution at JournoDAO. And by bolster our validators, that means build up our local journalist media outlets. All right. Well, that, that was a good article, man. So props to Keith Axline. Um, you can follow him at Caxline, K-A-X-L-I-N-E, um, on Twitter. So, um, yeah, and come take a look at the journodow.xyz. Uh, and um, there's an application, but it's really uh, just making sure you're not a bot. Um, if As long as you're not just trying to speculate on a token and not a bot, then uh, you're welcome to come in here and uh, poke around, uh, participate, and become a part of this um, decentralization of journalist movement. All right, well, that's all I have to, for today. I'm trying to keep these videos shorter. Um, thanks for jumping on. Give me a thumbs up and some feedback. Uh, say hi uh, at my Twitter or wherever else you want. Um, I am super happy to talk to you and to talk to you know people who uh, are under kind of understanding what I'm trying to do. All right, man. Well, um, take care and uh, have a good Tuesday. Right on. Thank you for making it to the end of this program. If you actually like this content, give a thumbs up. And if you want to hear more, just hit the subscribe button. I'm available on YouTube, Odyssey, and BitChute, and on all the major podcasting platforms in audio version. Spotify specifically, if you would like to follow and leave a review, that would help a lot. I am also available on Twitter at EurekaJohn1. That's E-U-R-E-K-A John, J-O-H-N, and the number one. My DMs are always open. Feel free to shoot me a message. Thanks again.